Hello again. Welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 24. This week's podcast guest is what some might call a digital nomad. Uh, For the last year he's been doing the same job that he did before as a freelance developer um, but travelling around Europe and he's been on a whole load of stops along the way, stayed days in places, weeks in others, and just sort of roamed around wherever he pleased without a plan, really, I suppose. So I managed to capture a sort of 30 minutes of of his time, um, him being Grant Richmond, and I sort of got his story out of him and the journey and how it worked and where he went and why he went, and a lot of it is driven by boredom and a lot of his story up until now has been driven by boredom and his complete and utter avoidance of it or when it arises he just says right I'm out of here which I think is, is massively inspirational and and if we all lived like that we'd all live probably more exciting lives or at least more diverse. So yeah we chat about all of that and went to the ins and outs of his trip and also onto his exciting plans for the future. Um, which is the sort of next leg of his nomadity, if that's even a word. So before we get cracking with the podcast, there's a couple of little things to update you on. Um, the first thing being that this time next week, with the next episode, uh, I'm going to launch the new website for the podcast. And with that, I'm launching a range of products. Now, the thinking behind this is that I didn't want to go asking you guys for money straight out. Um, and what I'd rather do is make some nice things and then you can buy those things and enjoy those things while supporting the podcast and I just think it's it's a much better way of doing it Um, and that way you get something back for your support so what I'm releasing is I mean they're all based upon the content of the podcast so it's taking little quips little quotes, um, little thoughts or ideas or things that have been mentioned in the podcast and creating products from those. Initially I'm going to do a bunch of prints, three different designs, uh, all risograph printed. Uh, I'm also going to do an A6 book, uh, all sort of typeset, graphic designed quotes. Um, so a beautiful little risograph printed book again, um, all hand bound. I'm really excited about getting that out. It should look brilliant um a really nice thing to have and the plan is that i will then make more books in a sort of series further down the line um because this i suppose encompasses the first 15 or so episodes so as we get more and more episodes i'll take quotes from them and then create more little books as we go Um, i'm also going to be doing some badges if you want to give your support in a small way then buy yourself a badge And again, they're all based on podcast content, so there's some inside jokes there. So if you have listened to quite a few, then you'll probably get them. If not, then I'm afraid you're going to have to listen to the rest of the back catalogue to get the jokes. But yeah, so they'll all be available through the website. Um, I am selling them on Etsy, but I am offering a collection service to save you guys having to pay the postage, because I know a good chunk of the audience is based in Dundee. So you can come up to Fleet Collective and arrange that. Um, but you can do that all through the order form on the website. So yeah, it's all just a way for me to keep this going more long term because as it trots on, I'm sort of spending, I don't know if it's probably about four to eight hours a week on the podcast. 
So I just need to try and cover at least some of the costs of uh, software licenses, recording equipment, travel expenses, just those sort of things. Um, and if I can make a little bit back, that'd be fantastic. And it really means that I can continue getting people on the podcast and creating some amazing content to share with all you guys. I really appreciate all the support so far. Yeah. And if you can go on and check out the products and if you want to support, buy yourself something nice. But the second thing, a um, little bit of admin um, I want to highlight, so the, the design festival, uh, Dundee Design Festival is happening relatively soon at the end of the month, end of May, and the podcast is going to feature at that. I'm not going to say how, but there will be an element of the podcast in residency at the Dundee Design Festival. So I'll give you some more details about that nearer the time, but for now let's get into the episode. So this is number 24. This is with Grant Richmond. I started out, I guess, getting into the IT world in university. Uh, I was sort of interested in high school and then I had a few choices of whether I wanted to do games or uh, general computing, but I saw this web design development degree in Aberdeen and then uh, sort of felt that was the one for me so I went on there and uh, it was quite I think it turned out quite lucky that it was pretty much the exact criteria I think I I'm sort of interested in and actually decent at doing it as well so studied there for four years and then I got a job in a local agency for about a year and a half and it sort of uh, it wasn't really the best job in the world, to be honest. It was kind of a bit soul-destroying. Get the work in as quickly as you can and get out again without thinking too hard about it and uh, putting enough time and thought into it. So that sort of that sort of forced me, in a way, towards the freelancing, which I hadn't thought about before. Was that ever mentioned at uni when you were going through No, it was never mentioned in my course, which I thought was quite strange afterwards like I always just thought oh yeah I'm going to finish this and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to go and work my way up and I'll work for Google or somebody like that but I don't know why they don't sort of say that freelancing is a perfectly valid way of earning a living and in a lot of ways a lot better than having a, a job at a big company but no it's never really mentioned but yeah after trying the job thing for a while I realised at least that job wasn't for me, so I started working in the evenings, sort of in my spare time, doing a bit of freelance work. I picked up two clients within three weeks of searching, and then they were both repeat work, which is quite lucky. And then I sort of kept going for maybe a few months or so, and I got to the point where I was working, maybe not quite 24 hours a day, but a lot of hours a day and I realised I was earning almost as much in my spare time as I was in my actual job so it's in quite a safe position really to quit my job and uh, go freelance and then after that it all went quite okay really the freelancing work I never had any issues with having uh, too little work or not earning money there's like the classic small problems of people not paying you and maybe minor not sure of what I'm doing doing taxes and all that sort of carry on but sort of stuff you can figure out uh, given enough time and then uh, I was working at home for a while and just sort of got very insular uh, I would just be at home for probably wouldn't leave the house for 
two days straight quite quite often, which uh, really sort of, I wouldn't say I was getting depressed or anything, but it's just, uh, it started going a bit crazy of just living on your own. And then I would uh, always, or not always, but a lot of time there'd be sort of late nights coding. And then you'd sort of wake up the next day and look at it again and realise it was all just garbage and <laughs> you shouldn't have uh, been up that late anyway. So do you think, as has that changed then the way that you work? So if you, like, I've, I've done it as well, like you just sort of push into the night mm-hmm. and you may be in the early hours and you're like, right, okay, that's at least, it's close to being done. And then you get up in the morning and you look at it and it's like, oh. <laughs> I always fight with this, whether you're better to smash it out that night and try and get somewhere with it mm-hmm. or just shut down, go to bed, wake up and start fresh. Uh, I think it depends on the situation. I think it's always if I want to be doing it right now. If I'd rather sleep, I should be sleeping. If you'd rather be working, maybe you should be working, unless I guess, unless I guess it's some sort of extreme point. But the stuff I was doing is usually something I didn't really want to be doing, but I just, I had nothing better to do or thought there was a, a looming deadline where really I could have just been more efficient with my time in the day and done the same amount quite easily. But I mean, there's still, will occasionally now be late night sessions if there's something I'm uh, excited by, but it's more rare now. I sort of have the routine of going into an office and as soon as I get hungry, you have to leave the office and then that's when I generally call it quits for any sort of proper work for the day. So you made the move out of home? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I moved in as a lot of people have done in this, I moved into Fleet, when was that, like three years ago or something now, something like that, maybe a bit longer. So yeah, I moved in there and it was just sort of the more normal thing of you've got an office again and uh, I always find it much nicer, there's one, even if you don't talk to anybody, it's more sociable. I wasn't always uh, going out for lunch with everybody and... Uh, talking to them that often but it still makes you feel less sort of isolated than you would do if you're sitting in your flat and and yeah it's good to then get out of the house as well and have that sort of separated working space for me and also the sort of implied peer pressure of you can't just be sitting watching Netflix in your pyjamas all day in an office even though I don't think people would really be too upset about that here. I think you could probably get away with it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, you feel bad when everybody else is working. So that's that for me is a big motivator because that was also the reason for the late night working would have been that I uh, hadn't got enough done during the day because I was just messing around. So that was a big change. And then... The sort of driving force for all of this is just uh, me getting bored, I think, in whatever I'm doing. So I got bored at home, so I got an office. At some point I got bored of just having the the sort of standard uh, life of going to the office, going home, going to the office, going home. And then at some point I decided I wanted my another project, so that was when the the makerspace popped up. Sort of like there's just a group of friends chatting in the pub. Like, why has Dundee not got uh, one of these makerspace things that we've heard about? Couldn't seem to find a reason, so let's do it ourselves. So that was sort of a 
a side project for two years or so. Like we started just in a little charity was nice enough to give us a space so we had a little room to sort of invite our friends and play around with some electronics and stuff. And then after that we managed to find a a cheapish unit in the old industrial estate, uh, what's it called, Meadow Mill. And we got a little unit in there, paying some money for that. And that was really cool, just to have something that was physical, that was started by just a bunch of people with no real idea of what they're doing uh, without any money. And then we did eventually get a tiny bit of money to fund some equipment. And we got lucky enough to move into the division building. So we're still there and there's still all sorts of cool stuff happening there. Even without me involved anymore, it's still growing and growing. And there's all sorts of crazy people making robots and weaving and electronics stuff and just the sort of thing I'd never expect to happen from it. But uh, So like the, the subscription model, so that the membership just has started to grow and grow as it's more popular. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, I think it'll be at £25 a month and then people can go in almost whenever they want and use all the equipment that's there to build whatever they fancy building. So they've got like laser cutters and yeah, lasting down there, like CD printers. 3D printers, woodworking tools. There's a loom in there as well? Yeah, full-size loom. Mm. We have a lathe, which I don't think has been set up ever for about a year. Uh, but it's all sort of very community-run. Yeah, it's all, all funded by the members, so there's no... And there's no there's no profits going to anything apart from keeping it running. So it's and there's there's no employees or anything either. So it's very much up to people just doing it themselves. So it's a case of if somebody comes along and's like, oh, "I really want to do some metalworking, but you don't have any of the the stuff here." If you're capable of setting it up yourself and figuring out how to get some money for it, then go ahead. It all helps out the community in some way in the end, hopefully. Um. So yeah, that's that was. We started that in 2014, I guess, and yeah, it's been kind of going strong since then, sort of uh, in a fairly steady place now, I think, so it's quite, quite good. But then again, I got bored, and that was all going well, so there wasn't so much of a, so much of a huge challenge involved, so that was the point where I, I decided to get rid of everything I own and uh, run away, basically. So, yeah, is it boredom or is it challenges that you look for? So, with the makerspace, it's probably more of a challenge. Yeah. And then you're maybe bored of, I don't know, you're bored of living in Dundee? Um, I'd say I was bored of living in Dundee, but it's like, uh, it's getting to a point where I just didn't, uh, I wanted to do something. Uh, I think the, the real options are either move somewhere else or buy an apartment or... Uh, maybe go back to getting a proper job again just for something different in life again mm. but uh, I felt like none of those were really for me uh, and I've got to the point in Dundee where it's sort of every time you go out the door I see someone I knew which is great but then it's just like sometimes I just don't want that yeah I decided it was time to go and I've been here seven and a half years so that's quite a long time I feel like sort of partially done my part for the city the city gave me an education and so much more and I've helped to contribute back in some way with the with the maker space so that's sort of a 
sort of I left hopefully with uh, a positive impact on Dundee instead of just drawing resources from it. So yeah, I was bored again, and I'd heard, I'd been to a conference a couple of years before that, and I'd met a guy who's doing the, the digital nomad thing, and then at the time I was like, that's sort of interesting, but I can really be bothered, because I don't really like travel that much, to be honest, and I thought it seems like an awful lot of hassle, and I quite liked it at the time, I quite liked having my house and having my stuff, um, but I must have just been niggling away at the back of my head for all those years like this is something I'm lucky enough that with my job I have the opportunity to try and then if I try and fail there's not really anything lost I maybe will have to spend some extra money to buy back all the things that I sold but uh, there's no real harm in it so I decided it was time to pack my bags and go basically so to explain the concept of a digital nomad mm-hmm. um, I suppose it's it's someone who has digital skills. Yeah, usually. And they don't have a set home, I suppose, and they roam around. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, so um, I've heard a lot of different terms for it, but digital nomad is the usual one. It's location independent. Uh, somebody called me a digital hippie, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, just the idea of not having a cert set home and moving around as you as you please, basically. Digital nomads, I suppose, a bit of a buzzword, if you like, or it's a term that flies about a lot. But is it something that you're comfortable being known as, or is there something else that you'd rather, like, or you'd more relate to, if you like? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a buzzword. It's sort of... I never go up to someone in the street and say, oh, I'm a digital nomad, because most Still, most people in the world would be like, what are you on about? So I just, I usually just say, oh, yeah, I just work and travel around at the same time. I don't need to be anywhere, so I've just been moving around for the past year or so. Um, and it's just as simple as that. I mean, uh, there's no defining rule of what makes you a digital nomad. There's plenty of people that have a house and would still consider themselves to be digital nomads. And there's plenty of people that do not do anything to do with the internet at all, who could be included as digital nomads. Um, so yeah, it's a weird term, and there's a lot of sort of idealistic views that go along with it. There's a lot of, not quite scams, but there's you see a lot of people promoting all the beautiful, wonderful lives they're having, sort of the social media perfect lifestyle thing, which isn't always the truth. It's just... Um, for me, anyway, it's mostly just like having a normal life, but you just might be somewhere else. Hmm. So you got bored. You decided, right, that's it. I'm going to leave Dundee. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to run around and work and essentially do the same job that I'm doing right now, but whatever I like. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how much planning was there involved? How much sort of foresight was there? Did you have a set route that you were going to go what was involved in actually getting you from the point of saying, right, I'm going to do it, to leaving? I think I'd been thinking about it seriously for maybe six or eight months before I I left. So I think there was uh, looking into the idea of it, like, is this possible for me? And then 
realizing yes and then i think the main jumping point was i at some point bought a backpack which is one of these recommended traveling backpacks which perfectly fits inside travel luggage so that was the point where i had this is what my life is now going to be it's now going to fit in here and that is the goal and then at the point at which my life fits into this backpack mostly that's when i'm ready to leave so when i had that i of course had to go through all the the usual things when you leave somewhere of like a uh, redirecting mail and making sure my rent's paid and uh, cancelling all my bills and everything so there's always a certain amount of time involved in that and making sure any work stuff is tied up um, if it needs to be and just sort of putting stuff in place but nothing there's nothing uh, really out of the ordinary apart from just selling everything so that was probably the, the time-consuming one of selling everything and scrapping stuff and deciding if there was anything I wanted to keep or not. Um, there were a few purchases for like um, travel gear and things like that, but not too much. And that was the main planning. It wasn't a huge amount of planning involved, to be honest. I just sort of picked a first destination, so I decided I wanted to stay in the UK first so I don't have to deal with language and money and if I really hate this then I can just come back again basically. Um, so I've heard a lot of people that would just keep their keep their apartment and go away for a month and then see if that works out for them. But I decided just to go full, full in because I decided if it still didn't work out at that point I would have moved or done something else anyway. So it made sense for me to get rid of everything at that point. And then I decided my first destination would be Liverpool, basically because it's not London uh, and it's not somewhere I'd ever been before. And it was reasonably cheap and easy to get to. And uh, yeah, so that's my first stop. And then I didn't really have much of a plan, uh, except for when I had a conference that I wanted to go to which is in Vienna, so I figured I'd be there. And then <laughs> one major thing was I really wanted to go to a sandwich festival that was in Porto. So that was sort of towards the end of the year. Uh, so I figured it's just sort of work my way across Europe a bit um, from east to west, from Vienna-ish to Porto. So you had a few points and you're just sort of filling the gaps in between where yeah exactly yeah it sort of um changed as i heard things from certain people and um there was no set route at the start of the year so i was going to liverpool and then at the start i would never have anything booked more than four weeks in advance so uh when i was there uh, i was trying to decide where i wanted to go and i was going to go to bratislava just because my sister wanted to go on holiday and she fancied going there. So I was like, sure, why not? But then when I was there, I kept hearing people saying, oh, no, I've, I've been there. It's not really that exciting. There's not that much uh, to keep you entertained for five weeks or whatever I was going to be there. So I heard a lot of good things about Budapest. So I decided I'd go there instead. So, But I'd, <laughs> I'd already booked my flight. So I flew out from Birmingham to Bratislava, stayed one night in Bratislava, went to Budapest, then came back to Bratislava again later on. Uh, but it all worked out in the end. And 
it's just stuff that I'd, I'd go places that are recommended by people quite a bit. So um, I was planning on going to Stuttgart to visit a friend, but I got recommended to go to Berlin so many times that I ended up in Berlin instead. Yeah, it's a sort of a little tour picking places here and there. And did that feel quite liberating? Not necessarily having the next stop or the next plan. Yeah, I think that's probably the most uh, exciting part of it is just one one weekend when I'm somewhere you just sit and look up different spots you could potentially go. Where's the cheapest flight going? Is there accommodation that's uh, not too expensive there? And is there sort of enough uh, stuff to keep me entertained for the time I'm there? So yeah, that was sort of a very a liberating part of it. Yeah, is the fact that you can just... Uh, not have a plan and just uh since there's so little stuff it's just hop on a plane and hop off again it's very very easy yeah and what what sort of places were you staying is it like hostels airbnbs um so i started out staying in hostels um so i was in like one of these big hostels in liverpool and i moved like most hostels obviously are not set up for people staying more than uh, a few days usually so I was in like a big one of these big ones in Liverpool and I moved to another big one there and in a way that was really good because I'm fine with basically sleeping I don't I don't have ever have issues like sleeping I don't need a, a, my own comfy bed and all these home comforts and stuff I'm fine without that and it's good because it's sort of it's more of a way of forcing you to get out and do stuff Um because all these other people are around you and they're all going up and doing tourist stuff or whatever so you don't really just want to be hanging out there all day so I'd actually do a lot more and experience a lot more when I was out in hostels but it got a bit boring of um, every three days or something you'd meet a bunch, everybody would be different people and I'd just be the one that was the same and every time I'd have the conversation of oh hey, who are you, where are you from, where are you going, what are you doing and that's great, but yeah, it just got a bit boring. And then sharing with people, you know, it's the classic thing. It's sort of, it was fine for a while, but eventually you want your own privacy again. So yeah, I stayed in a hostel there. And then in Budapest, I stayed in a hostel, but it was just a totally different thing of like, it was a 16 person hostel, maybe only two members of staff that were there pretty much lived there as well so that was more friendly vibe there and not so many people coming and going so I really actually enjoyed that one and then after that I mainly moved to doing Airbnbs usually I'd get a room in somebody else's apartment and then have that to yourself and then it's a bit more private and usually a bit more comfortable but more or less the same price because they've got usually have really good deals if you're going for four weeks or more sort of half price or around that so that usually saves you a lot of money as well and did you meet many interesting characters at the, the airbnb um airbnb honestly not as much because there's just not as many people to meet um yeah. i'm trying to think uh because I suppose you, I mean, people are like welcome, especially if you're only taking a room. People are welcoming you into their home type of thing. Yeah, that's a much more personal experience. Yeah, well, um, sort of. I think it, it very much depends on what ones you end up in. Like, um, I was in one where 
there was a girl who had left for sort of summer who's just renting out her entire apartment so she was a special effects something or other she'd make masks and things for uh plays and she was away working at festivals in england like uh, uh glass and brain things she was doing uh, stage shows and stuff so i was staying there and she just there's just like one of the craziest apartments i've ever been in like there are sort of decapitated heads looking at me fake decapitated heads of course uh and sort of crazy plants and things everywhere. I had a wood burning stove. I had a desk chair that was just an old barber's chair. And I was looking after these two, what are they called? Exotic cats. They're just like the fluffiest things in the world. And I don't think I, I probably still have the hair on them uh, from me now. And apart from that, there's sort of the other types of Airbnbs where the people have quite a few rooms and just let them out as holiday apartments which are were absolutely fine for me but it's just not it's usually just sort of ikea furniture in a room and that's what you get which is usually fine yeah it's all sort of varies from place to place in terms of work while you were away mm-hmm. how did you sustain that so did you have existing clients that you took away with you and just continued that work or did you find new work while you were out there in a way? Uh, no, I, I mainly just maintained my existing work. Um, I have one main client that's in was in London, uh, so I'd never see them anyway. And that usually was enough to pay my bills. And then they moved to Barcelona, so there was an extra no chance of me seeing them normally. So I just it was just literally it's all been exactly the same just I would occasionally still get work from Dundee in Scotland where I would maybe see people occasionally but now it's just a case of go on email or call or something instead and it's usually not too much of an issue yeah well I mean thinking about it we've probably done as much work together yeah, yeah. since you've left as we did while you were here if not more mm-hmm. um, yeah so I mean my routine's exactly the same I'm still I've been in Europe so I've pretty much been in the same time zone more or less so that doesn't change too much and yeah just as long as you've got internet decent inter- internet which exists pretty much everywhere in all these major cities anyway then it's not so much of an issue these days so where did you find yourself actually getting down to doing some work and how was that like did you put yourself into a routine every day or was it every couple of days or uh it's more or less the same as what I was doing uh, in Dundee. It's just um, we'd always have a co-working space uh, to have sort of the social aspect of it and the separation of home and work. And then, yeah, it's pretty much the normal routine. I'd go in for nine-ish, nine-ten, maybe go for a run if I was really feeling adventurous in the morning and then finish around five or six and then the main difference would be instead of just going home and watching tv or whatever uh i'd sort of either be out at random sort of meetup events or doing some sightseeing or uh something like that and then my basic routine was just during the week just be working sort of nine to five ish and then weekends would be my definite sightseeing days and then i was initially doing sort of four weeks per place which should get you say 
seven days sightseeing or doing whatever tourist stuff you want and a day for travel between these spots and then that's worked out fine like you can get to do everything uh, that you don't want to usually uh, without getting too bored as well so do you try and work it that you just go in between co-working spaces in whatever city that you're in yeah pretty much i've not i'm not one for working cafes or there was one time i did work from home from one of the airbnbs because i was doing spanish lessons for like half a day each day so i didn't want to have an office as well um i just wasn't as productive then um but still i was sort of forced into i sort of forced myself to work there because uh so much time was getting taken up by those spanish lessons uh, but yeah it's all been co-working spaces i suppose it's a good way to meet people as well and sort of have that social aspect and then i suppose that sort of Again, like what you said about Fleet Collective, that pressure to actually be working and not just on Facebook all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I've made, uh, I wouldn't say I've made tons of friends from co-working spaces, but, yeah, a few friends. And depending, if you find a good one, a lot of them have sort of events and stuff for you to do and uh, you can go out with all your co-workers. So, yeah, it's always much nicer than uh, just sitting on your own, own somewhere. So, what do you reckon that, so this journey that's been how long? Uh, I think it's almost exactly a year. Okay. Um, so in the last year, what do you reckon you've learned from it? Um, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say like self-reliance, but I think I was already 100% self-reliant, but it's just more of... For me anyway, a lot of things have been much more easy than I would expect, to be honest. Like, there's just... I've had almost no issues, which is sort of not what I was expecting. Um, so I sort of, uh, so it's been, it's mainly been the sort of get up and go sort of attitude, like um, just give it a go. And then sort of people always have, or a lot of people always think, oh, I could go and do this thing, but I might not like it. And then it usually ends up, working out better than you might think for most of these sort of things you're worried about uh, and that was the case so it's now much more living on the spur of the moment and not worrying too much about um, societal societal toll societal? Well, I don't know how you say it societal anyway uh, sort of uh, what normal people would consider normal expectations yeah something along those lines so you don't need to have you don't need to have a, a job at a company and be working your way up the ladder and you don't need to be earning loads of money and you don't need to be living in an apartment you don't need to own a house you don't need to own all these things you can just do whatever you really fancy as long as you're as long as you're happy and you're safe and alive then that's really the important things and you've, you've sort of proved that it's a sustainable way of living yeah, I mean, it's totally sustainable. It's, I'd say cost-wise, it's probably not cost me anything more than just living in Dundee would do. I mean, I went from having sort of a small two-bedroom apartment to myself to usually just having a room, but cost would be roughly the same. It sort of depends what you do. Like for the first, I think I didn't cook a single meal for at least three months or something so I ate out every meal which was maybe not so healthy 
and definitely not so cost effective. But if you sort of are smart about it, then yeah, it's, it's, the costs are pretty minimal because you've got no internet, no, no bills. Basically, it's just rent, travel, food is the main expenses and just normal business expenses that I would have had anyway. And then it's sort of a case of uh, traveling now. Flights are so cheap that it's really, especially if you're going one way with just hand luggage, it's, uh, it's probably, yeah, it's cost me about as much to get from Glasgow to Dundee as it does to cross over different countries. So it's not really, yeah, it's totally sustainable if you've got a steady income. I think that's it. That's, that's the key thing you have that sustainable income and you can work remotely it's finding that perfect balance and having the, the tools in place so that you can communicate and, and do all that sort of stuff as well and then and then I think there's an attitude that needs to be there and a sort of approach to life you have to be prepared not to have a plan yeah um, you need to not worry too much mm-hmm. about that and there has to be like a fallback yeah uh, to be fair you can have a plan like I've met uh, I made a good friend who was just doing the nomad thing she decided she's just going to do it for a year and she booked her destinations and accommodation and everything in advance for that year so you can have all sorts of people do it but I definitely do think it helps if you're not the one to get uh, too stressed about these sort of uh, minor details or it's not going to be a life or death situation if you don't know where you're going next. Yeah. But I think it's generally if you've got the sort of mindset to go freelance, like you've, you're generally sensible enough to uh, be able to handle your finances and not worry too much about or have your sort of, your money, money buffer is a big thing and being a freelancer, like that's just obviously something you should have. And it's sort of a lot of the same principles in the, doing the nomad stuff yeah I suppose it, it, it's sort of weighing up the values in your life as you were saying your, your sort of personal space so you sacrifice having your own flat and mm-hmm. your own kitchen and things yeah. like that but then you gain the experience of living in a brand new city every yes. month yeah, or yeah. every six weeks or, or whatever it may well be it's like if you sacrifice one area and one thing that okay, might not necessarily be that important for that whole year, mm-hmm. but then you can gain so much in other areas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's a... I mean, there's all sorts of different ways of people doing it. Like, there's there's a lot of people think, oh, I couldn't do that. I've got a family and kids and whatever, or I have a house already, but there's plenty of people that have houses or have kids that uh, travel around like this as well. You can do it however you want. Most people will just rent their house for a month and go away for a month, or six months and go away for a winter and stay warm, or yeah, some people just decide to do it for a year and come back. And yeah, I think if you've got the option to do it, then and you you feel like it's something you want to do, then why not? So if you could pick one high point, mm-hmm. one experience, or one thing that was truly memorable on the trip. Hmm. I call it a trip, but it's not necessarily a, a trip. It was more just your life for the yeah, last yeah. year. Uh, high point. I don't know. It's been... Honestly, I think there was one time where... I think it was in Budapest where I sort of realised I'm not in Kansas anymore. 
where I think I'd just gone out one night, it was just a bit drunk, and I was just walking home, and it just started the realisation that, oh, this is where I am now, this is where I live now. And I, I felt like I was walking home, but then it's not really my home, but it is for that time that I'm there. So that was sort of the realisation that, oh, this is this is definitely real. I'm definitely uh, far away and experiencing something uh, that I wouldn't have had elsewhere. So I think that was maybe the moment. And then trying to think some other high points. Uh, I I stayed in a a nuclear bunker for five days or so. Um, I was sort of in between places and then I just wanted to go visit somewhere for a few days. And then I saw I could get to Bruno in the Czech Republic for cheap. And I was looking around just for a hostel because I was only there for a few days. And then it's like, oh, you can go into this normal hostel, which is well rated, or there's this brand new one, which is actually just an old nuclear bunker from the Cold War that's been turned into a hostel. So I'm like, okay, that's, <laughs> that sounds like a place for me. So you go in, and I think it was um, 60 feet underground. It's like under the main castle sort of thing in a hill. And you walk in the steel door, and it's freezing cold. And it was actually... It was awesome. It's like pitch black in there, obviously no windows. Uh, but it's just a really sort of interesting experience that I would probably not have had otherwise. Uh, so yeah, that's probably another highlight of it. Okay, so if you were to pick one particular low, low. or one particular difficulty or frustration or... Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's probably, I think the classic one is the loneliness of it. Sometimes it can hit so honestly it wasn't so much of an issue and then it's only really been in the last couple months or so honestly uh, because I've now been in I went back to Budapest again so I've been there for a few months and I've just been working a lot so I would just not really be talking to anybody in any way and I've been trying to save some money again so I've been like not going out as much not eating out as much and then, uh, yeah, it just sort of can get quite lonely again. But that's also the same thing that would happen anywhere else in the world. So I'm not really sure it's 100% related to that. But then you also, yeah, you don't have your sort of set group of friends, uh, which can be a big thing for a lot of people. But it's a case of once I realise that's happening, I can do something about it and go out and meet people quite easily. And then... Just sort of that social that sort of uh, social interaction with anybody will then start making me feel a bit better about that all again. So now you've done your full year and mm-hmm. you've realised that it's a potentially sustainable way of of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your plan next? Um, so I sort of was enjoying the 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 freestyle aspect that I had at the start, where it's just no real plan. Uh, just go wherever I fancied so I've had a sort of bucket list item for doing the big giant road trip around uh, the United States so that's what I'm going to be doing next so in May I'm flying off to Canada hopefully just buy a regular little white van custom build it out myself into a camper van and drive from Canada to Mexico and back again hopefully I think it's sort of taken the, the freedom of movement to a next level like but I will have a home again which might be interesting it'll just come along with me 
So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So I've just been booking in the last few weeks my accommodation over in Canada, figured out it should be legal for me to buy all this stuff and uh, register uh, to drive there. And then, yeah, the next step is just to get over there and start building and try and buy a van. Is that because you're bored of Europe? Uh, not really bored of Europe, but um, I was, yeah, kind of almost getting bored of it, this again. Yeah, sort of uh, the next adventure, I guess. Yeah, because honestly, it was once you get into the habit of uh, moving around, it sort of, it was always great, but it's just, it's just another place. It's sort of the allure of getting on a plane definitely goes away. So yes, it's just another another very different thing to do. So it's another one where I'm either going to hate it and give up after a month, or I love it and probably keep going for until the end of this year or something. Um, but it's another one of those ones that if I don't do it now, I'll never do it, and I'll never know if I. Uh, if it's going to be a total success or a total failure, unless I try. So, yeah. Cool. Maybe we should get you on in a year's time to do a review <laughs> of the next leg of your journey. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, if Donald lets me in or out, then, yeah. <laughs> it could be yeah, quite a quick return episode. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, yeah. No, but I think it'll be... Um, I'll definitely make that... Uh, just the times that we're in right now definitely make it all the more interesting to be over there right now. You know, I'll uh, be one of the few tourists that's still going there. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, see what you're up to, follow your journey, how do they do that? Uh, you just find me on my website. It's probably the easiest. It's just grant.codes. And then I'm also grantcodes on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me a bit there. Yeah, that's mainly it. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Grant. Big thanks to him. Uh, I managed to just catch him on a whistle stop tour of Scotland before he was off on the next leg. I think he's now in Vancouver before starting the, the American section of the trip. And... Yeah, I'll maybe try and get them back on in a year's time and see how the American leg went. But one thing to plug on Grant's behalf is a new little web app that he's launched. Well, I say launched, it's more in a, a beta phase, so he's not really done much promotion, so this is a bit of an exclusive. Um, it's called To Do Maps, and you can find it at todomaps.xyz. And... It basically allows you to create to-do lists on a map anywhere in the world. So say you want to map out the best places to eat in Dundee or the best pizza places in Boston or I actually created one for him going to Vancouver and said here's the best places to eat, drink, see, visit and all that and you just plot the points on the map, add them to a list you can curate all those lists and then tick them off as you go. So really fun little web app, todomaps.xyz, go and give it a try. But that's it for the podcast this week. Please keep joining the Facebook group. Um, had a few more added this week. And if you enjoyed this episode, drop me a tweet. If you didn't, tell me why you didn't. It's at Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram. 
And on Facebook, the group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. So that's it for this week. Until next week, when I'll hopefully have a shiny new website and a whole bunch of products. Well, that's it. I'll see you next week.